following is a presentation of the Match Talk Podcast Network. Defense Soap revolutionized athletic hygiene in 2005 with the introduction of a bar soap containing natural ingredients proven to be effective against skin infections common to wrestlers. Today, Defense Soap leads the world in sports hygiene innovation with a complete line of bar soaps, shower gels, and body wipes that contain high-grade tea tree, eucalyptus, and peppermint oils. Defense Soap. Defend what you have built at DefenseSoap.com. Hello, wrestling fans. It's time for the World Wrestling Resource Podcast. The World Wrestling Resource was made that you as a wrestler, parent, coach, or fan can have access to all the resources of the very best in the world of wrestling. I'm three-time wrestling writer and broadcaster of the year, Jason Bryant, and I want you to join me along with John McGovern and world champions Terry Brands and Dennis Hall as we talk training tips, topical discussion, mental preparation, and more on the World Wrestling Resource Podcast. World Wrestling Resource is sponsored by Defense Soap. Find World Wrestling Resource on Facebook at facebook.com slash worldwrestlingresource and follow us on Twitter at WWRESO and, of course, on the web at worldwrestlingresource.com. Now on to the show as we join John McGovern, Terry Brands, and Dennis Hall. Episode 68 of the World Wrestling Resource Podcast. Jason Bryan here with you today. We're going to visit with Leroy Gardner, the head coach at the University of the Ozarks in Arkansas, and Robert Hollywood Hemingway, the head wrestling coach at Allen University in Columbia, South Carolina. Both of these gentlemen have been coaching at new programs. They're in the Southeast, and both are also African-American head coaches. There are not a whole lot of African-American wrestling coaches at any any level across college wrestling, but we'll talk about a number of topics. But first, let's get some introductions. Leroy, you're a Wartburg guy. You're from Minnesota. Those two things don't really seem to jive, but... Just give us a little background for those who don't know anything about uh, who who Leroy Gardner is. Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Grateful for the opportunity. Um, you know, grew up in right outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Wrestled there. Uh, played a lot of basketball, football before I came to wrestling, which I, you know we talk. I'll talk talk about a little later. Um, but then went down to you know took took a right turn there and headed south and went to Warburg. And you know, I think that's one of the things uh, for me. It's kind of a defining thing. Is you know, if everyone's going right, usually I'm the guy looking to like, hey, how do I, how do I, why is the crowd going one way? And I want to, I want to do something different. I think that, you know, fast forward to me ending up in Arkansas, starting this program down here, picking it up after it started. And, um, you know, a lot of people in my peer group were like, hey, you know, man, what are you doing down in Arkansas? Why don't, why don't you go to come back to Iowa, come back to Minnesota or do something like that? And I was like, man, this is really interesting to me. And so, you know, I think uh, it's kind of that path. Uh, it's always been one where, you know, I'll, I want to go where there, there's not been a trail and we cut some, just cut some trail through. Um, so, yeah, um, been here about this is my uh, third season, um, you know, and, and uh, glad to be here. And, uh, you know, we're growing. And so um, got a wife and my wife and I've been married 18 years, got a 15 year old son who doesn't wrestle um, and I'm good with it. But, um, yeah, man, just grateful, grateful for every day, man, making helping these kids uh, find out their best. So what what Leroy did here is he buried the lead. He's a multiple time All American at Wartburg. Uh, pretty good. Never <laughs> never won a state title in high school. Places at juniors, junior world teamer. So that's the stuff you just kind of conveniently skirted over. <laughs> yeah, I was fortunate to enjoy wrestling uh, at Wartburg. You know, won a national title there, won a team title. Um, you know, and then uh, like you said, yeah, I got a chance to go overseas and wrestle some uh, as as part of the Greco uh, Greco path and. I think the highest I, I ever achieved, um, I was sitting fifth on the ladder, got fifth at World Team Trials, and 
Um, you know, once my son, our son it was born, you know, that changed the game for me. And, uh, you know, I had to I'd step away from competing, but, um, you know, love everything that, uh, that, that all gave to me. And, you know, like I said, I got to see the world, uh, go to JB's favorite place in the world, Tashkent, Uzbekistan. And <laughs> yeah, so- <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. All right, Coach Hemingway, you know, you're recently coming off a, a, a book you published called I'm Black, Let Me Wrestle. And, and through that book, you chronicle your, your journey where you discovered wrestling. You're a military brat. Uh, you explained that in the story, you, how getting orders, and, and that helped you go from sport to sport, kind of like Leroy talked about playing football and basketball, then you discovered wrestling. So, uh, you know, give us the uh, the 25,000-foot the view of, of how you got into your career with wrestling and coaching now at Allen University in South Carolina. Same thing, I think, for being here as well. Um, journey took a crazy turn, like you said, it shows in the book, but basically military family um, discovered wrestling after taking a taking a drastic thing I didn't like in football that's called playing it at the time, I believe. But it, it led me to wrestling. Um, came here military to South Carolina, ended up leaving in South Carolina, there being a military guy. Got on the wrestling mat, started um, just learning how to be a, a, a wrestler before anything. Um, became a state champion, Greco-Roman champion, you know, a lot of accolades, but the the most important thing is I became a, a better person. And when I say that is touching kids alive. So, you know, wrestling became more or less of me trying to help young kids get to the next level with the sport that God had blessed me with, which was wrestling. Um, during the time um, I was coaching high school at a local district here, winning on every level of the high school, but just wanted to, you know, get into that college area. I said, so what saw a college down the street called Allen university, man, put a proposal together, went and talked to the, the people of power. And, um, we've been running, um, three years as a club team and two years as a sanctioned team as of now. And, um, doing real well, had a national qualifier. And also, like you said, getting kids to graduate. Um, we got kids that are on all of the boards at our school, whether it's a president, um, SGA. Um, so the program is going good. Um, like you said, we're the only NAIA program, um, basically African-American program, but the, the key to it is we're graduating kids. This is our first graduating class, which is a blessing. So that's where I'm at. I got a wife who is a big inspire along with my daughter and I got three boys as well. They were wrestlers champions as well. Did all the circuits from the AU to the USA to the folk style and um, did real well. So now I carry the torch. We're running with Allen University now. And like I said, we'll get into it. And I did write a book, too, so we can go over there, I guess, when you're ready. That's it. I'll start with it right now because I just finished it yesterday. Uh, it, it came through. I sat there, and I know Coach McGovern, who uh, pretty much uh, spearheads this program, go, hey, we're going to have Leroy and Hemingway on. I'm like, okay. And, I, and you had emailed me about the book prior to the NCAA championships. I'm like, all right, I have a chance. Now I guess I had to read it quicker than uh, than I anticipated. So I sat there, ordered <laughs> it, got it, sat down, read it yesterday. And it's not a long book. It, you know, it's 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 a short biopic, so to speak, or biopic, however you want to say it, uh, in terms of, you know, your your journey. You, you're not really super big on going into the minutia of it. You kind of tell a, a good story, like how you discovered wrestling. Well, what, what was the first reason that made you want to sit down and say, I want to write a book about my, my life in wrestling or my foundations in wrestling, so to speak? Well, basically, like you said, it was a journey. Um, and when I say that, I wanted to write a book where kids understood of all ages and even adults, but basically for the kids, because that's why it's so short. I always call it the 40 page or more, 
because some kids don't want to sit down and get educated, you know, but I know if you put something short, it will hit them and then move on. So the purpose was that basically was just to get my life story out that made me successful even here today in the book. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a hard read too. I think you can get it off uh, lulu.com. And actually, why don't you just give us a plug on where you can find it? Cuz I I honestly think that people it's it's like I said, it's a quick read. It's something that, you know, you could sit down during a lunch hour and knock out and, and really get a, a greater understanding of of who you are and where you came from in terms of, you know, a lot of people can identify with being a military brat. They can identify with discovering a new sport and having to make friends at different places and and having to leave the girl behind that you just that you just start yeah you're just like oh yeah so uh you know where, where can they find the find the information on the book yeah definitely you can go on lulu.com and um you can just www.lulu.com and go on to shop and then search and put in search it's called i'm black let me wrestle by robert hollywood hemingway author I know it's great read. It, you know, there are authors named Hemingway. You're just uh, you're another one in a long line of, of writing Hemingway things. Now, uh, going to Leroy, let's let's go back to your background a little bit. And you told me a story that you, your dad had quite the athletic background and kind of uh, has has a, a notoriety here in the state of Minnesota. Yeah, definitely. Um, so and I, I kind of had to live up to that a little bit. But, yeah, my, my dad was uh, uh, played basketball, St. Paul Central. And then was the first uh, African American from the state of Minnesota, you know, born and born and raised, to get a full athletic scholarship for basketball at the University of Minnesota, and uh, you know, played all four years. And there's like a there's like a, a legend that goes around in, in in the playground that him as like a 14, 15, 16 year old and a, and a group of other friends of his that were also in high school uh, beat some of the Minnesota guys in a pickup game at one of the parks. And that legend still travels around St. Paul. But um, yeah, that you know, so that was you know, uh, growing up. You know, I had those kind of that 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 understanding from the time I was about you know twelve and start paying attention better to you know my my plans. And so I played football and basketball growing up. He also played football over there until he broke his leg at St. Paul Central, and he's in the St. Paul Central Hall of Fame as well. Um, so yeah, that you know that 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 was kind of the legacy, and and we share the same name. So it's still the case where I'll go places in Minneapolis or St. Paul, and even it happened when I started wrestling. You know, I go somewhere and someone say, Hey, did did your did your dad play basketball at? central or the U and I say, yeah. And they said, Oh man. And they, you know, insert whatever adjectives they enjoyed about watching him play or whatever, um, or competed against him. And so, uh, yeah, that, you know, that's a legacy that I came up as an athlete with. And, you know, I think, um, you know, for a long time, I chased that basketball dream. And so, like I said, there's not too many, you know, five, 11, 240 pound, uh, you know, four spots walking around. And so when everyone started growing, uh, you know, I stopped playing basketball and, um, you know, that was about eighth, ninth grade. And so then after that, you know, I, I started wrestling in 10th grade and I was like, man, this is, uh, this is what I was supposed to be doing the whole time. Um, but it took a little while because I thought I'm gonna live up to, you know, doing what my dad and my brother did. So yeah, that's the legacy that I, that, 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 you know, we have in the state of Minnesota and he's, you know, he, he, he was there, uh, helping he, his whole career was at the university of Minnesota, except for a break where he coached at, uh, MCTC, uh, at the time the basketball and then, and then went, you know, and his whole career, he, he, he worked his whole life at the university of Minnesota. So, and, and what's interesting, you mentioned 5'11", because I was actually about to ask you, because that means we're about the same height. Your dad measured in at six foot four. So genetically, where, you know, your, your career was pretty much doomed when you didn't get, when you did not get the height yeah. of your father. No, and that's, I, you know, I always joked with my mom uh, coming up and, you know, and I loved football a lot too. And so, uh, as I started to mature and grow, I was like, cool, I'm going to, you know, I'll be, I'll be, if I'm six, two, that's good. Six, two, two, forty. You know, I can do a lot of things with that or whatever, you know, even if I don't reach the six, four, six, five. Um, 
but yeah, my, my mom was only like five, two. And so, uh, I, I got that side of the family's height. Uh, my sister actually is about five, 10. She were about exactly the same height. So she got my dad's side of the family height, but, uh, yeah, that, you know, genetically, like it was, I was supposed to be uh, picking up humans and not jumping over them. So. <laughs> and, and coach Hemingway, you had, you had kind of the, the same kind of deal, only completely opposite of the spectrum where you were a little guy, you know, making, making, eventually making 112 pounds, but you were a basketball player first, and that was the one thing you both had. You, you thought you were going to be basketball players before you even discovered wrestling. Yeah, correct. I'm glad one of the coaches said, hey, you might need to try something else early in the game. So, yeah, that's true. Everybody wants to be Jordan back in the days, I believe. That's the thing. So now I learned a lot. I said, maybe I'm not this. I need to stay on this mat. I mean, that's that's what my goal was. Yeah, we had a had a, had a generation of kids driving the lane with their tongue hanging out, a la air, you know, his airness. Uh, my my stepbrother was one of those people trying to drive drive for the layup with the tongue hanging out. Like, okay, look, nobody's Jordan. Let's not do that. But what that's also a testament to what the opportunities that the sport of wrestling brings. And that's part of our topic today. Is you know, here's there's Leroy. You're on the on the bigger spectrum, Coach Hemingway. You're on the smaller spectrum, and you both found the same sport in in, in similar means, but. Regardless of size, it had something for both of you, Coach Hemingway. What was what was it about the sport of wrestling that that kind of drew you in and said, "Yeah, this this is something I feel like I can be successful in." Well, I believe it was basically the discipline. I seen how guys would, you know, they could definitely, you know, go a whole night without eating. Now that was kind of crazy, and I said, "Man, I would never do that." And then I said, "Wow, I can do it." So, and then the discipline part of it, and I carry it here today as a coach, you know, teach the discipline. We have to make sure the kids are disciplined. You win with discipline. So, you know, and back in the days, I guess when we were wrestling, you know, we used to say, hey, I don't need to eat this. I need to go to bed. I need to sweat. I need to be down by a pound and a half by in the morning before I get to school. And time is time, time to wrestle. I'll be on weight. You know, so discipline was a big part of it, I believe. And it helps me here today with all the kids that I deal with. Leroy, you're kind of again on the other side of the spectrum, being an upper weight. You didn't really necessarily have to have to cut a whole lot, but uh, you know, speaking on what Coach Hemingway was talking about, what was the situation like for you when you you got into it and realized, yeah, this is this is the thing for me. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, one, I'll, I'll say this to a lot of a lot of folks, especially when I'm recruiting like brothers. But you know, I think being a little brother is the best training for uh, uh, you know wrestling that that exists. So you know, when I came into the sport. And I think I had a real vivid memory at my first practice um, coming out. And uh, the, the varsity heavyweight at the time was a senior. And he went on to play football at uh, Carnegie Mellon and real strong kid. And, you know, he cross-faced me as hard as he could and, you know, busted my lip. And I remember as I'm licking my, like, blood, I said, I said, man, you know, I said two things occurred to me, like, in that moment. One was uh, he just uh, gave you his best shot. And then second was, if this sport is about like taking someone's best shot and like keeping coming, like I can do this. And so, you know, I think that for me, it, it like all lined up, you know, and it helped that I played football and basketball all those years from like, you know, kindergarten, first grade on because I had good feet and good balance. And I was, you know, relatively strong for like my, my body weight because I'd always been doing athletics. And so coming into wrestling with, with that background uh, prepared me really well. In addition to being a little brother getting pounded on sometimes, um, you know, and so I just loved it. It was like a fish. It was like, where has this been all my life? You know, and uh, I think for me, uh, I, I had a good example of, you know, my brother went to play it at uh, Southwest State um, basketball. And I remember when I was still playing basketball, he was he was going into his freshman and sophomore years and uh, he'd come home and work, uh, work out. And I'd go 
you know, he had a little three mile route and I'd go run with him because I wanted to be like him or I'd go shoot a thousand shots at the basketball court like him. And so the, the work ethic part of it was already a, a kind of a part of my life. And uh, so it was easy to just translate that over to wrestling where it gets really rewarded. I feel like uh, maybe more so than other sports uh, because I'm not worried about a teammate. Like if I do the work, it, it counts. So that all resonated like a whole bunch with me. It was like, if I work hard, I'm, I'm better. And uh, I can, I can take someone's best shot and not give up. I don't quit. So bring, bring me your best. And so that was a real good recipe for me to enjoy some success in the sport. I think. Now, when we look at the opportunities to, to go into school and, 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 and the makeup, of the sport of wrestling you know Leroy, you live in minute uh, you're from minnesota i live there now and, and you know i you can say the joke i don't feel comfortable saying it, but what was what was the joke <laughs> growing up in minnesota yeah it was i mean it, it was always a joke like it was it was it was me like you know when people hear where i'm from you know it, it, other black folks it was like oh it's you and prince and and kirby puckett and at the time kevin garnett they're like you know it was like they're like why do you live in minnesota and so, you know, it was just, it was like a acknowledgement of, um, you know, that the Midwest, upper Midwest was settled for the most part by Western European immigrants, you know, and, and so that, that wasn't a lot of people with a lot of melanin in their skin. So, you know, that's where, uh, that, that joke was always, it still is prevalent to this day when I say I'm from Minneapolis and people are like, oh man, it's, it's, it's just Prince up there. Um, but yeah, that's where, you know, I, we, we heard, I heard that as a common kind of refrain and, you know, and it's, it's it's fun to recognize the knowledge. Of that. And I think that's one of the things, you know, when I was talking about my journey in wrestling, um, there was definitely times, you know, we show up and we'd go down to like, you know, I'd go drive on my own down to like Cassin Manorville, Minnesota for a Greco and freestyle tournament. And, you know, I'd show up and it'd be like me, Marcus Levesseur, Jafari Veneer, Jamel Tidwell and Carrie Veneer. Like there was literally, and there was like two, two other, two other kids. Right. But like, like it, that was it. The only other, you know, folks that sort of looked like me. Um, and now, you know, I think that's where, and that, that kind of continues throughout my high school career, but it's, you know, at a certain point as a, you, you, I mean, like it's okay. And so what, I still got to go wrestle and compete and enjoy this and, and get, you know, get to know all these, all the guys that I'm on my team with. But um, it was definitely like, you know, you get used to being uh, kind of uh, the exception a little bit um, in, in at least one or, or multiple elements. Right. And so that was one way, you know, that, that I experienced it coming up. And I think, uh, you know, especially we were, that's 20 years ago now, um, you know, wrestling wasn't as diverse as, as it is now. Um, and I think that, you know, like, it's just, a, it's just a fact, you know, and, and, um, and that's why I always, you know, uh, you know, I recruit to try to recruit Jamel down to Warper, you know, and like, I always try to make sure like, Hey, let's, let's get these guys to college and wrestle. I tried to recruit uh, Jafari, you know, and like, Hey, let's get to the next level, get that degree done, you know? And um, I think that's the recognition. And you look at like the mission of beat the streets, um, for example, you know, I flew out there from Arkansas last year to go help with the camp because I really believe that, you know, if, if if there's plenty of kids running around, plenty of athletes running around in places where they didn't have family members that wrestled. Like I didn't have anybody who knew wrestling or had an uncle who wrestled. I didn't have that. Uh, all we did was play basketball and football um, for reasons. And so now you've got kids in, you know, urban environments who haven't been exposed to the blue collar nature that is wrestling. And, and once we find it, like, you know, they get to get exposed to it, man. There's a lot of kids running around that could be great. Uh, and, and benefit greatly from the sport. And so I think that's like, for me, that's a, that's a cool thing to be able to, to like, to like beat the drum on. It's just like, Hey, let's, it's never bad if we get more wrestlers, you know, that's never bad. So whether it's, you know, women, uh, African-Americans, Asians, I like it, 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 let's get more wrestlers, you know, and that's kind of where I fall on that. 
And as far as you know, Coach Hemingway, you explain in your book that you're a you know, military family, and and a lot like wrestling, a lot of wrestling people like we don't want to see color, we don't want to see disability, we don't want to see you know we're wrestlers, we're we're all of the same cloth, and we like to beat that drum, just like you know the military. You talk about you're a family, regardless of what demographic you you make up, uh, you know, genetically or, or or any any other way, shape, or form. Wrestling and the military seem to have that in common. When you discovered the sport of wrestling, or was it in Virginia or in Pennsylvania where you discovered it for the first time? It was Virginia. Okay, so it was Nor- Virginia. Norview High School in Norfolk, Virginia, and let's just say it's 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 a racially diverse community. The city of Norfolk is, and when you when like you know Leroy is one of just a handful in his area. What was it like for you walking into the wrestling room with Coach Kenny Whitley? What was that racial makeup like, and was it was it welcoming or was it uh, was it kind of like you know you know off putting initially? Well, when I walked in the wrestling room, it was welcome. I will say that is because. At the time, I didn't know what was going on. I just seen guys in there with sweat tops on. You know, now I know singles, doubles, and all that good stuff, which I wasn't aware of. And so they basically drew me in like a brotherhood. Ken Willie, one thing I will say with him, he always nurtured you. Even here today, that's just him. And he he said, hey, I'm going to teach you. You know, I'm going to show you. And then I just buy into what they were doing, you know. And like I said, these days when you, like um, LaRoy was just saying about the different race diversity, that's all well and good. But as a coach myself being in the game, you see all types. But my thing now is what I always learned. And my dad and mom, they have taught me one thing. You don't look on the outside. You look what's inside. And I carry that no matter what. You'll see it on my walls. You'll see it all over. You never look on the outside. You look at the inside. So diversity was out there. But at the same time, I got to see what's in your heart. You know, and even as wrestlers, we used to see you can look at a kid and say, well, he has no heart. We're going to see if we can make him have heart. That's just a coaching drive. And I used to use this term, hey, he ain't got no heart. Let's go. So, but whatever's on the inside is more emotional. And that's what I care with me. So back to the question when Norview is, I was welcomed and I was pretty good. And you moved to South Carolina. What was that makeup like? And, and you had you had said in your book that it was, it was more of a predominantly African-American school. So. Uh, as as Leroy says, there, there were more people who looked like you in that respect. Exactly. Um, it's same thing. It was being from a military. We've seen all types of people. Like Leroy was saying, the same thing. Asian. We had Filipino. We stayed. We was all over. So racism. If it was there, we never saw it. To be honest with you, is because when I came into school, my mentality was, "Hey, I've been all over the world. I was born in San Diego, California." So when I come over here, I've been to Philadelphia. I think we've been to 35 states out of 50 due to my dad being the ejection seat. He was over the planes that eject guys in wars or whatever it is. So we saw all types. So when I got to the predominantly black school, my main focus was basically to get on the wrestling mat at the time. But if racism was there, we never experienced it because we never saw color, period. We just wasn't raised that way, you know. And I think for for a lot of people in the sport of wrestling, we want that to be the case. We want that to be the rule versus the exception. Of course, every sport, every culture, you, you know, every every demographic of 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 group you can think of, there's probably going to be the ignorance out there that that still kind of thinks a different way. But uh, I want to shift this a little bit because you talk about around the world, and Leroy has an interesting story. His his wife he met in Uzbekistan, and we've actually discussed that on the old Division Three show, The Ice Hour. She was born in Azerbaijan. So when we think of race relations in this country, we have kind of what we look at is what ca- what happened from the American South, the Civil War, you know, the Civil Rights Movement and whatnot. But, Leroy, you've got an interesting, you know, aspect of of how race relations work globally because you, your wife's from Uzbekistan. Well, yeah, I think, you know, it, it sort of 
had had required me as a as a young man, you know, um, to like evaluate just like you know uh, Hollywood's military experiences. Real quickly, your your perspective shifts from whatever your your unique experience is to a more broader perspective. Um, and you know, the first time I went overseas, you know, uh, I, I I remember being on the bus uh, and Coach Ike Anderson was with us, and you know, um, the kids on the bus come up and they're trying to like rub rub off the brown on his skin you know and um you know they, just because it was so novel to them it wasn't it wasn't a racist thing it was just novelty you know the, and and um and you know with that perspective after i met my wife and we 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 got married you know there was a part of um helping her understand both the history of of you know the founding and the united states of america that includes our our history with race relations but also understanding uh you know some some broader uh, conflicts and, and, and struggles that, you know, they have in the former Soviet republics and, um, you know, uniquely for like for her specifically, like we would book tickets and, you know, she was born in Azerbaijan, so she couldn't fly through Armenia. Like we could never fly through Yerevan because, uh, you know, in her passport, it said she was born in Azerbaijan before she's a citizen. And so, you know, that was something where I was like, man, there's a place that you can't even go just because it says where you were born somewhere else. And they had a, a war at one point. And so, you know, it brought into perspective, but I think the, the biggest thing about that, and this is something that I've found reinforced everywhere, is, you know, no matter where I go, uh, you know, and I know how to say it in, Ru- you know, in Russia, you got sportsmen, you know, like if you're a sportsman and you're wrestler, like there's a fraternity that, that, that goes across language, that goes across color, that goes across everything. And that's a beautiful part about our sport. And I think, you know, I definitely experienced it. And, you know, uh, more recently, like when I was in Afghanistan, cause, you know, still part of the armed forces. When I was in, uh, uh, in, in 2014, um, once my interpreters found out that I was a wrestler, like they gave me the nickname uh, Paula Juan, and then uh, they, they like wanted, they were legitimately trying to set up an opportunity for me to go wrestle in the, in the I think in the Maiwan school that ended up getting blown up there in, in, in Kabul. And, um, you know, but it, they wanted, they, they respected the, the, the sportsmen. Again, it's that fraternity of, of, uh, of brother, you know, brotherhood for wrestling and the struggle that we all go through and that one hand to hand kind of uh, warrior mentality. And so, you know, they were like, they, they respected me more than they respected someone who wasn't a sportsman, you know, or wasn't a wrestler. And so, uh, for good or bad, it was, it, I experienced it in a real positive way. You know, I told him, Hey guys, I can't go, comp- I can't go to your wrestling club and compete, uh, for security reasons, but I'd love to. Um, but it was just good to be, once they found out that it was like, I was, I was, they were, they were very, very much more informal. And, uh, you know, and like I said, it just reinforced that global fraternity that exists for wrestling. And like, you know, uh, coach Hollywood was saying, you know, like, uh, it's about who, who are you? You know, I want to know who you are, uh, regardless of anything else. I want to know who you are and what, and I don't know about your heart. So uh, yeah, that's that's been my experience, and like I said, it just helped me get a global perspective. I think that's why USA Wrestling and you know, UWW and, and those experiences, because I would have not had those um, had I not pursued this sport to the best I could. And I think it's it's like a life changing thing for these athletes and these young men and women to go overseas and and see uh, what life is like other places and and meet new people. I, you know, they still I still have. Uh, you know, it's funny when I went to U23s this year, helping with uh, Charlotte on the on the women's freestyle team. Uh, there was a coach from uh, one of the Iranian coaches was a guy that was in my bracket at J- Junior World, and he remembered me. like I remembered him. And so, you know, we didn't wrestle against each other, but it, it's funny that here is 20 years later, and you can you can be at a tournament and you see, and now we're all a little heavier and a little balder, maybe. Um, and so, but it's just that fraternity. So, you know, it's really a beautiful thing, man. 
one thing uh, the first time I, I actually witnessed something like you experienced with with the, the you know the the people coming up and, and touching was we were in 2012 we were at the junior world championships and that year when I was working at USA Wrestling uh, the national coaches education program would take you know kind of their state leaders or the or the coaches that really were were performing or something I'm not quite sure how it happened but they would go to the world championships typically but during the Olympic years they take them to the junior worlds because you know Olympics are you know they're a different body entirely. So Cornell Robinson's a coach in Missouri and he's a, he's a big guy. He wears his bling. I mean, he's, he embraces it. You know, he's, he's walking around and then all of a sudden he gets swarmed. He's getting my, everywhere we went. And it was the first time I was like, holy crap, Cornell. Like he goes, man, I could run for president over here. I mean, it was, you know, make it, making a joke out of it, but it's like, you know, when you see it happen for the first time, you, you don't see that, uh, you know, here where we grew up. So it, it's kind of, kind of one of those things. It's like, it, it does take you back to realize that, yeah, we are a real melting pot here in this country. We've got that going for us. And, you know, it's a great thing, but still sometimes you go to pockets of the world where there is very little diversity, where everybody looks like you. And it's definitely an eye opener when you're coming in from the outside. Coach Hemingway. Now I want to sw- switch gears a little bit and to focus on opportunities in this sport. And we talk about the growth of women's wrestling. We're seeing opportunities for the girls, college programs popping up, but one demographic of our community that does seem somewhat underserved is, you know, is the, the wrestlers of color, the Latino population with, with the California schools like Fullerton uh, drop in wrestling. It, it eliminated the state school where populations were very big in, in the Latino communities, which populate almost all the lower weight, you know, a ton of the lower weight classes in California. When we get to Leroy talking to me the other day before we went on the show saying if there was an HBCU that had Division One wrestling, he would have totally considered if Howard had a team when he was you know coming out, he was considering that. Now, you're at a place that is the only four-year institution in this country that is a historically black college and university that has a wrestling program. When it comes to the opportunity of exposing the sport of wrestling to African-American males who may have only grown up in families that knew about football or basketball, what has the biggest challenge for you been in Recruit, even going back to your days as a high school coach and recruiting young African-Americans into the sport and making them fall in love with it. Well, we have been doing good with recruiting. It's just getting, well, let me say it like this. We're doing good with recruiting and our program's growing. It's already there. We know that. But my thing is to get it out to some of the other coaches. We have all these coaching clinics. And I said it before, when I go to the, the Daytonas, we went to Fort Lauderdale with some of the big time wrestling, USA wrestling. Um, and I believe that we have to have classes. We all have mentorships. They do a wonderful job. Uh, Michael Moore, um, they put on a good a good promotion. The whole weekend looks great. But I'm still waiting for that African-American class. I mentioned it one time last year when I was there. I was talking to because you need to have African-Americans in there as mentors. You know, when I say mentors, teach a class about African, what they expect. There's some good, outstanding white coaches all over the world but sometimes they do get african-american which they don't know what to do with the guy maybe he it, maybe he's just feeling bad he was sick his parents something's going on in his life and they don't know how to deal with him why not when we have these big conferences and i said it before is bring some people like myself or even Leroy, and we sit and help these coaches that are white or Hispanic or whatever the race is, understand our people the best way we can so they can ask these questions. So at Allen, we're doing so good with recruiting now, and a lot of the parents um, that are coming aboard, they used to wrestle like Leroy said, if you had it back in the days, we got parents, dads that wrestle for the Moore houses back in the days, the Morgan State, the Livingston Colleges, um, Delaware State. Some of these programs have folded. We're getting the kids now 
because their dad sees that there's a hope that, hey, this program is here to stay, and Allen is here to stay. That's our goal. When it comes to the dynamic of an HBCU, and it is it is very historically relevant. It's, it's cultural. You know, if you can look up the history on why certain places are are you know where they're at, like Hampton University is is a beautiful campus there. I grew up minutes from it. I grew up near Norfolk State, so I grew up around HBCUs. I'm even I'm even uh, an HBCU football fan. Like I was telling Leroy yesterday before we talked, I watch the Bayou <laughs> class. I watch Southern and Grambling every year. It's one of those football games. Like yeah. I watch that every year. I like I like I watch Duke Carolina in basketball. I watch the Bayou Classic. I watch, you know, the the, the MEAC and, and the SWAC. I follow them, the CIAA. You know, I, I pay attention to the the black college sports in that regard, especially football, because, you know, you go to a, a, an HBCU football game, and Sinbad stand-up actually joked about this back in the 90s. You don't go for the game. You go for the band. It's an, exper- it's an experience. <laughs> I mean, the classics that draw 40,000, 50,000 people all across the South and the Southeast, there is a culture within its own and it's not just color at an hbcu there's there's a whole you know the the fraternities the step shows the the battle of the bands it is the you know movie drumline touches on it a little bit it is so much of a, a an experience and wrestling is not included in those schools we, we've lost the last one was delaware state prior to allen but uh Leroy, you had said as an athlete the the opportunity to go to hbcu wasn't there what was it about an hbcu that would draw you or people you know like you said people like you to an hbcu well, I think, you know, for me, uh, specifically growing up in, in, in the upper Midwest and, you know, uh, I, I've got some of my, like my best friends growing up and we all ran together, hung out together. Now they weren't wrestlers, but, uh, like they, a lot of them went to Morehouse and, uh, Howard and stuff like that. And, um, you know, for me, it was one sort of some of my peer groups, like, you know, at Hopkins high school, a bunch of, a lot of people went to Kansas university or university of KU, you know, and, uh, like my peer group, uh, some of most, a couple of my friends, like went out to a bunch of went to Morehouse. And so when I started looking at schools, you know, it was like, man, I, I, that's not an option, you know, after, uh, Howard dropped their, uh, dropped their program, you know, it was like, I, I can't, there's no option. For it was me, Delaware uh, state that, was that, it. And it really wasn't, um, yeah. let's just say the leadership at that university really didn't do that yeah. program any favors. Right. So it was, yeah. So, so for me, you know, it was, it was not, it was like, okay, I can't, I can't go look at Morehouse with my buddies. So I need, I need to look at it. And I, you know, I, I applied at, uh, I, Northern Iowa, Iowa, Minnesota, Warburg and Augsburg. And, um, you know, the thing that drew me out there was like I said, just that ability to go experience, um, all the things you just said about the Southwest classic that I wouldn't get at Warburg. I wouldn't get at Minnesota. Um, and, and, you know, and then also, you know, just the, 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 the breadth of, uh, experiences that all a- the African American community will bring to that because not everyone's from Chicago, not everyone's from you know Alabama or wherever. There's a, there's a diversity of experience just like across there's diversity of experience across all people, and so like that's a cool thing to be able to go and get get. So like what one of the things that we talk about higher education being a value is like going to get experience with people who aren't like you, you know, or or have different perspectives than you, different experiences than you. And so for me, uh, that was a, a chance to get, get you get both, right? I get, I get people around folks who have some shared experience for sure, right? Uh, just given the fact of, 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 of being African-American growing up in this country, but then also uh, from all over the place, from, you know, and potentially all over the world. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was, uh, it, it was, I looked at it and then like I said, I was like, yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no window there. There's no opportunity for me to go there. You know, I'm just I'm looking back at, at you know Delaware State. I remember I was covering wrestling for the Daily Press back in, in Newport News, and there was a kid from Heritage High School named Devon Alston, 
and I, he was a state place winner for my district. And that district wasn't really, really good in the AAA side. I'm talking to him, interviewed him for the paper. I'm like, so where are you looking to go to college? He's like, yeah, I want to go to A&T, but they don't have wrestling. I'm like, whoa, whoa, you, you want to go HBCU? I, I got in touch with the coach at Delaware State. I go, Darren, I got a guy for you. Once at HBC. And, you know, sure enough, the next year we see uh, Delaware State comes to the Old Dominion Invitational. There's Devon Alston wrestling for Delaware State. I'm like, all right, cool, opportunity. Cool. You know, opportunity meets desire. And it's just like if somebody wants to go to a liberal arts college or they want to go to a Catholic institution, it's the same thing. It's not just like I want to be only around my people. That's not essentially what the HBCU experience is like, as I ex- explained. You know, the Battle of the Bay, Hampton versus Norfolk State is a riot of a good time. So, uh, you know, those opportunities, but I'm looking at it from, from coach, uh, you know, coach Hemingway, you're down there in South Carolina. And imagine if you look at some of the schools that dot the, the, the Southeast and the deep South, you're like, what, what opportunities would open for, for young African American wrestlers if a Tuskegee had wrestling, if an Alabama A&M had wrestling or like a North Carolina Central or an A&T, you know, Morehouse, you know, which we mentioned a couple of times, which is, you know, an all male school. There was, there were three liberal arts, all male schools in this country. Uh, Wabash, Hampton, Sydney, and Morehouse. And at one time, Hampton, Sydney, and, and, and Wabash had wrestling. It was like, well, what's up with Morehouse? We got to get them. But, you know, the, the opportunity to go to an HBCU in the South seems is more part of the high school education. Imagine if Tuskegee had a program based on what, what just general history knows about that institution. Right. Well, basically, you said the same thing. We got South Carolina State, Mars, Voorhees. There's a lot of surrounding colleges, FAMU, a lot of those. It would bring so much because, like you said, you talked about the football aspect. I would love to see when you bring the wrestling aspect of how we have a good time. You know, you're graduating kids. I mean, it, it's just ideal. They used to have the MEAC back in the days and stuff like that. So a lot of that stuff I was pushing. I want them to come back. I think it's time. I think some of the presidents, you know, to get in there and just figure out how they can make it happen, you know, they took a chance on us. And like you said, it's just, we, we had to crawl to get to where we're at, but at the same time, we're trying to grow. And at the same time, when you go to these different tournaments, you're seeing these young kids where the African-American white kids or Latino, I keep saying all of them, man, a singlet is a singlet. I don't care how you look at it. I'm going to put one on you. If you're ready to wrestle, <laughs> that's it. You know, so I could kill it. And I'll throw you a headgear too, if it comes down to it. But, um, <laughs> But but my, my goal also is just to try to bring what you said. You named it. You were in Norfolk. I mean, hey, Virginia. You know, we had it in Virginia. When I left Norview, I can I remember Buddy Lee, some of those heroes with the jump rope, all those guys used to hang with when I was young. You know, so I see the difference in it. But my main focus now, like you said, is to bring this HBCU back. It's so much needed. You know, our kids need it. Like you said, I go back to the same thing that we can talk all day about basketball. Every kid ain't shooting jumpers. Every kid ain't tackling all the time. You might as well add a blast double to it, and you're good to go. <laughs> now, one thing you two also have in common is, is you're at non-Division One schools. Now, uh, you know, Hollywood, you're at NAI. Leroy, you're at Division Three, And these are programs that are being added for various different means. Hollywood, you mentioned Mike Moyer. I know the NWCA, I used to work for them. Moyer's on the phone constantly <laughs> calling. I mean, the NAIA has gone from 25 pro- I mean, programs to – I think we're going to be in the mid sixties next year when that are championship eligible with six or seven new teams coming in next year. And, you know, while we're, we may not get a Howard, we may not get a Hampton University, at least at the division one level, but at division two, division three, the NAIA, which, which enrollment kind of drives the school. Uh, you're both at right. schools that are adding programs for that reason. And Leroy, what's the situation been like? I mean, you didn't start the program there at Ozarks, but what is the school seen as a benefit to adding the sport of wrestling to its infrastructure? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Coach Zastro, uh, you know, started it and um, I was happy to kind of come in and help help further. That was the main thing was like, he was like, hey, I, I put my heart and soul in this and I, and I don't want it to go uh, downhill. And I was like, man, I, I'll do I'll do my best to honor that same you know, energy and everything that you put into it. So, you know, as a, as an institution, like just on a metric, you know, situation, I mean, we go from, you know, having, um, uh, you know, before we had the wrestling program, zero uh, wrestlers, right. Zero students here for wrestling. And, you know, last year we started the year with 40 student athletes. Um, and so just from a, and we're a small school, we're less, you know, we're right at about 900 students. So when you talk about just wrestling, having 40 student athletes, that, percentage is non is, is, is that's that's like non-trivial you know and so i think uh that that's been that's been great and and i think further um you know we have it's an opportunity for someone to consider all the beneficial things that is this institution offers um we're a liberal arts school so you know it's a it's a way for someone to have access to the benefits that this institution offers and also still continue to compete at a high level uh, as a student athlete in the NCAA. And so that's really for me, you know, what, what I, you know, pitch to all these, all, all my, all my student athletes, Hey, that you got a chance to come here and, and, and keep doing it and, you know, be at the NCAA tournament, go get, go get, go reach the goals that you have for yourself at the highest levels. Um, you know, and so I think that's, uh, that's been the benefits the school has wrought from uh, the, the development of the, the wrestling program and the growth of it. And, you know, it's on campus. It's, it's cool because we got, we're, we get fan, we're growing fans, you know, and we have, we have uh, our duels and fill up the gym and, you know, it's uh, that's how you get people in. I tell my guys all the time, Hey, like our job is to put out uh, uh, entertaining, a good product, right? Wrestle your best because it matters. It's not just, you're wrestling to win, like go get one more takedown because we want someone to be excited and, and cheer, you know, and, and that's a cool thing. Like when you think about, it's not just about you, right. It's about the sport. And, uh, and, and so I think that's where the school's benefited uh, from that. And not just, you know, enrollment is, is definitely uh, at the end of the day, it's a bottom line number that the school needs to operate uh, across the country, but um, you know, just, just adding, our energy to the campus and you know wrestlers are you know we're all a little, we're a little different right and so i think it's uh it's been a positive um positive for the for the school and you know that's that's i'm really glad that they grateful they did we're looking at i, I really advocated hard for us to add women's and here's one thing that, that also is isn't lost on the fact is Arkansas. I didn't have high school wrestling ten years ago, and I'm actually starting a program with the University of Arkansas Little Rock to document their rise. But that story starts with the rise of high school wrestling, and you're 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 trying to build a program where there is very little wrestling culture to grow from. So uh, you know what what's that hurdle been like in terms of you know opportunity and and drawing people to Clarksville, Arkansas. <laughs> it's a great place, man. The, the school on the hill here. Uh, we're right off 40. So it's, it's convenient uh, in that regard. It's not as hard as you would think. Um, I always ask guys two questions. Hey, you know, I'm asking you to one to come to Arkansas and I'm asking you to pay a little bit for school because I can't give you a full athletic scholarship. And so if any of those, if, if, if we can't get past those two things, then good luck with everything else. But, um, you know, for us, uh, the, the challenge culturally, like wrestling wise, is, you know, the things that we take for granted as, as competitors and, and coaches. Uh, like for example, in in a PA or a Iowa, is, you know these these student athletes maybe have uh, demonstrated and 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 experienced what it's like to commit year round to a sport and uh, and 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 struggled. I think that's one thing is like sometimes when you know student athletes who haven't uh you know haven't had to struggle, um, like a, a, a guy who's really good in Texas, you know he may never have to learn how to get out of the bottom, you know because because he hasn't had to. 
And I think uh, that's something, those are some, some real differences from a cultural standpoint and just trying to, you know, and I, like a good example, I had a kid on the team and, you know, he had, he had, he had to go to work and he missed practice sometimes for work. And finally I was like, Hey man, uh, you understand that like, well, like I, I support that. Like if you got to pay, you got to do what you got to do. But um, is, was that what you did in high school? And he's like, yeah, it was like, it was not a big deal. And I was like, okay, so I'm not, I'm not frustrated that he didn't know that the expectation is that like, this is like your job from, you know, uh, October to, uh, you know, March. And uh, so I had to explain that to him. But uh, those are things culturally that we take for granted in places where wrestling is way is, is has a history is like, you know, they know what it's like to wrestle year round and commit because that's what it'll take to, to be your best, right? Whether you're doing freestyle and Greco and all this stuff. Um, it's very rare that student athletes that can, can achieve their best only competing from October to March. And so um, that's, those are the kind of nuanced things that I think sometimes are, are, uh, are not always appreciated, appreciable if you're from the outside looking in. I think there's, you know, everyone always, you know, me coming from the Midwest and Warburg with the, his, the success that program has had. Um, there are things that I, you know, and I think Millboy told me at best, he was like, Hey, you're not building another Warburg, you're building Ozarks. And he's like, so, so don't try and do the things, um, you know, like, like there's some things that don't apply because we, when I came to Warburg, we were 10 years into successful championships, you know, and all the things that happened, it wasn't year zero or year two. And so I think that's the, the cultural things that are different. It's just, you know, the, the student athletes, I'm, we're not only teaching wrestling, we're teaching what it's like to be committed hundred percent to wrestling and what it's like to struggle and, and have to learn positions. And maybe your best takedown in high school is not good and like not good in college, even though all your input feedback said, Hey, this is the best thing I do. And so those are, those are some things that uh, guys have, we help guide them through is like those struggles and overcoming that and learning and growing, you know, and I think that's the benefit again, the beauty of the sport. All right, Coach Hemingway, I'm going to throw a stat at you that I just looked up to make sure that th- this makes sense. Okay, so right now there are, uh, at least starting in the next season, there will be 10 college wrestling teams in the state of South Carolina. Two of those are women. One's a junior college. You're the NAIA. Then we got Coker, Lander, Limestone, Newberry in Division Two, Presbyterian starting a program, Division One, and the Citadel in Division One. Now, prior to 2000, how many of those teams existed in South Carolina? The answer, only the Citadel. So in the last 18, 19, 20 years, Nine of the 10 opportunities in South Carolina are brand new. So, and you're one of those opportunities. What has it been like to try to, you know, kind of ingrain a wrestling culture in a state that's got wrestling tradition? It's just not really talked about a whole lot. Now you've got opportunities to, to keep kids in state, whether it be at your institution, whether they want to go to the Citadel for a military experience or, or be part of Mark Cody's new program, men's or women's at Presbyterian. I mean, what's it like? And what's the wrestling growth been like, you know, at the grassroots level through the high schools, uh, in, in South Carolina? Cause we've seen it at the college level. Well, basically, a lot of I've seen a, a lot of the South Carolina wrestlers. They go to national competitions. They they go to get experience, and I think that's why a lot of the other coaches see these guys and and can recruit them. So us having these these teams coming in this year and just have growing in South Carolina, it's it's a plus. Um, I I can only go back to you know Allen University. You know, I'm the founder of the program. I started it. You know, Richard Allen was funded. He's a legend. I mean. The AME churches, I mean, this, this, our whole university basically is history. You know, some of the guys who walked on this campus is unbelievable back in the civil rights days and everything else. So when we put together our wrestling program, we go to try to get the top quality kids. They're good students. Like he said, Lee said about the enrollment, our enrollment's been good every year since we started, even as a club team. Now, bringing the different sports up to par. You know, for people to start noticing us, that was my goal set from day one. You know, I need to get 
these people, like you said, we're going to start wrestling the Siddles. We're going to compete against the Cokers, the Newberry, some all the local for people, D1, D2. But we're adding sports at um, Allen as well. Soccer's coming. We just started our football, rebirth of the football. Um, looking at baseball, we got we got a lot of sports that's being added. So, you know, our step is going to start climbing higher as well. My focus with my athletes now is just to make sure we have the great kids. We got some, I tell my wrestlers the same thing, Lee, we let our light shine on campus. People know who the wrestlers are. You know, we're the kids that say, hey, don't pick that up, professor. Let me take that to class for you. So whatever we put out on our athletes, it's going to be quality. But at the same time, they're going to get that degree is what they came there for and become a growing and a prospective young man in this world and society because we're losing a lot of kids these days. One last thing I want to touch on when it comes to, and it's not just the you know racial makeup of your particular universities, but it's a sport as a whole. And I think it, it comes with the territory of, res- of people who aren't coming from wrestling backgrounds. If you grow up in wrestling, you kind of know about Wartburg. You kind of know about Augsburg at Division Three level. Right now, you're coming through Grandview is is you know crushing the NAI. You know about you know the programs at Central Oklahoma and Division Two, and you, you know the the some of these power smaller programs. But when you know Leroy, you're calling a kid who you know one may not be able to find Clarksville, Arkansas on a map, not because they don't you know don't know how to read a map, but just they don't they don't know where the heck Clarksville is. And you have to explain to them what University of the Ozarks is, or, or Coach Hemingway. You have to explain where Allen University is in, in in Columbia, South Carolina. Getting them to get past the, I've never heard of that. It's not a Michigan State. It's not a Minnesota. It's not a big school. How do you get those kids? And what has been the recruiting pitch to say, yeah, you want to compete in a sport? There's hundreds of small schools that you've never even heard of that would love to have you on their campus. Yeah, I mean, I think you talk to any any student athlete for the most part, I would say I think greater than 50 percent of them are, are, are attracted to a school initially um, by their interaction with the leadership of that program. Like for me, you know, that's what put it over the top for me to go wrestle for Coach Miller. And so our job, my job as a leader for our program and in service to this institution is to go uh, reach as many of these potential student athletes as I can uh, have a strive to have a positive interaction with them, answer any questions, concerns they have about the, the process. Because that one thing that I, you know, it's, it's, it's um, clear to me, a lot of, a lot of student athletes and their families don't know what the process is to end up at an institution, what the recruiting process looks like and things like that. So a lot of times, you know, I've been in a position where I said, Hey, regardless of where you go, if you have questions about this process, I'm here to help you, even if you don't end up being at my institution. Like, I want to see your synaptic continue on. And so I think, you know, just making sure we have a, a positive interaction, let them know what we're about. You know, if a kid's looking at going to a, a, a Michigan State or Minnesota, uh, Twin Cities campus, I'm probably usually, you know, if that's their goal, they want to be at a huge school. Like, I can't offer them that, you know. So let them know what we're about and see if that's interesting to them. But a lot of kids, the only thing they they respond, like, they're like, coach, it doesn't, like, doesn't matter. I'm going to study physical education and I want to, I want to wrestle for you. And I think that's where, you know, that's my job as a leader and, and, you know, serving to this institution say, Hey, um, here's what I'm about. Here's what we're about. I like what I see so far about you. Is there a fit here? And I think that's the, that's the challenge. You know, that's the, the, the gauntlet that's thrown down every, you know, recruiting never ends. Like everywhere I go, I'm a, I'm, you know, someone's got a cousin. Hey, my, my nephew wrestles. How old is your nephew? You know, things like that. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, that's kind of, I think the, the, the challenge is, just letting them, letting them know what we're about because I think with wrestling, especially 
unless a kid is looking and, and getting the, you know, division one money somewhere, there's a way more kids that aspire to wrestle in college than do. And I think some of those kids don't think about it. And we see it sometimes with the kids like, Hey, if I'm not going to, if I can't go to Oklahoma state, then I can't wrestle. And they don't understand, especially in the South, there's not a lot of other opportunities historically that have been real successful. You know, there's pockets of it, but you know, they don't have a, a Augsburg or Warburg in their backyard. So I've got to tell them what we're about. And uh, yeah, it's going to be hard and it's, and it's good kids. It's not like high school plus, right? It's there's kids that are, are very, very talented, you know? And so I think it's, it's, it's multi-layered and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, opportunity as a, as a coach to go solve that. Coach Hemingway, going to give you the last word on that topic. Yeah. Same thing. Uh, I will echo the first part is getting to know me, who I am. You know, a lot of guys always see your accolades. I always say that, but see one thing about me and I tell a lot of kids, when you come to visit, we're going to tell you the truth. And we're going to let you feel out. When you drive a car, you go to look at a car, you only get a test run. So if I got to just use you as a test run, then I know you're not going to come here. So I got to be able to drive that car for four years of graduation. And I'm going to keep that car. And after four years is paid off, then I'll go ahead and send you on your way. So my thing is, I look at it like this. When the kids are coming, they look for the D1s. You know, that's natural, you know. And some of me talk, you know. My kids, I thought my kids were D1 at times. You know, that's just dad's mentality. But it has to be a good fit with the coach. You know, and I've been blessed to have a good fit with the guys that we are bringing in. And and believe it or not, I I am a a seriously Christian by you guy. I mean, for God I live, for God I die. I'm not scared to say it. That's That's been me. You know, and that's why I've been so successful because I put him first and then I move on. I don't recruit for always the state champion national qualifier runner up i recruit for the spirit of the kid and if i can get the spirit of the kid i get all that extra you know that's that's not a point i get the champions i get that but if i have they have a good spirit to fit into what we're doing here at allen university and that's nurturing these kids getting them to that next level getting that degree in their hand you know being husbands wives you know everything that it comes to have trust in what you're doing at your program that's what we're about and if you're here to come in our program, we're going to go ahead and give you 100% all the way to I walk you down that aisle. And that's what it's about. And with that, we'll wrap up this episode of the World Wrestling Resource Podcast. I'd like to thank our guest, the head coach at the University of the Ozarks in Arkansas, Leroy Gardner, and the head coach at Allen University in Columbia, South Carolina, Robert Hollingwood Hemingway. You can check out his book, I'm Black, Let Me Wrestle. Order that at lulu.com. Search for Hemingway. Yes, uh, you might even find some earnest in there, maybe, perhaps. But, uh, gentlemen, I appreciate the time and the insight today on a variety of topics. And uh, best of luck to you guys in your future with your respective programs. Is both of you still looking for that elusive first All-American? <laughs> yeah, we're on the hunt. You're thank right. You. Thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy, thank you, sir, man. You're very good. We love you. Thank you. Subscribe to the World Wrestling Resource Podcast by going to www.rpodcast.com and check it out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, or wherever you find your podcasts. World Wrestling Resource at worldwrestlingresource.com. show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.